www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1986. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 70. And a Merry Christmas to everyone connected to Blackburn Rovers Football Club and football fans wherever you are. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. It's been quite a while since our last podcast, some 10 weeks ago now in early October. In podcast 69, Philip L and Andy Neal, that's Fernhurst Rover on the forums, were with us to discuss the annual accounts for Venkis London Limited that had just been published. And Paul also joined us briefly to give the good news about the registering of Ewood Park as an asset of community value. Shortly after that podcast, the annual accounts for Blackburn Rovers Football and Athletic PLC came out and reinforced the rather bleak view of the financial situation envisaged by Philip and Andy. The prospect of administration sometime around March is a very real one. It's one we have to face up to. But it's the festive season, and so we're not going to be talking too much about finances today, so just sit back and relax because our chief reporter Cam is with us to talk about the football and fill us in on what's been going on behind the scenes at Ewood Park. So, good morning to you, uh, Cammy. How are you? Morning, Wen. I'm fine. It's been a while. <laughs> a very long while, yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm speaking for both of us when uh, I say the word busy. Uh, you've been extremely busy in, in the last couple of months, as I believe. Yeah, I mean, been very, very busy with work. Um, I think we've tried on a few occasions to do a podcast, but just not being possible with uh, the amount of work that we've both had to do. But uh, it's good to be back uh, doing these podcasts and just like to say thank you to you know quite a number of people who've been asking on, particularly on Twitter, as to uh, when when these podcasts are going to be starting up again. So, uh, you know, just for them, it, it's kind of worthwhile uh, doing these kind of things when, uh, there's clearly demand for it, uh, but yeah, being mega busy. But um, hopefully things have calmed down now, and we can do these on a more regular basis. Yes, yeah, I've, um, uh, it's just been crazy at my end this last couple of months. Uh, it's uh, it's not just the time of uh, uh, sitting down to record; it's uh, it's everything else, um, getting it organised and setting it up, and uh, then editing it and publishing it. So. Uh, I just haven't had uh, the time, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's uh, festive season now, so uh, we've got a little bit of time on, on my hands and uh, look forward to putting this out uh, to everyone um, in, in the next couple of days before Christmas. So, uh, yesterday we, we played Yeovil, and uh, we're, we're now three matches unbeaten. Uh, good win away from home. We haven't uh, had uh, any discussion on the podcast of football since early October. Uh, we'd just lost away to Wigan uh, in early October and since then uh, we've had ooh, around about 10 matches I think uh, starting with uh, a home defeat to Charlton. Um, would you like to just go through those matches with us, uh, give us a, a summary of what's been going on on the pitch? Uh, I, I've seen uh, highlights and what have you of uh, matches, I've seen one or two halves here and there. Uh, but uh, it's always different being uh, on the ground and, and seeing them live and stuff. What's uh, what's your overall impression of uh, of of the last couple of months? Yeah, um, like you said, after the Wigan game where we were 
unlucky to to lose uh, that game. Um, if if you can remember, it was the game that Grant Hunley was sent off. Um, you know, deservedly sent off when he lost it. Um, and we were winning one nil at that stage, and then eventually lost two one uh, to a to a very late goal. Um, the very least I thought we deserved from that game was was a point. Um, should have won it, uh, and I think if we'd kept eleven men on, we would have won it. But you know, we followed that up with um, a loss against Charlton at Ewood Park. I think that was the first home defeat of the season. Um, very, very poor performance. Um, normally at home, we control games and we put teams under a lot of pressure, but uh, it was a bit flat that day. Um, and you know, it, it was probably you know the, the worst home performance. And uh, we, we lost to Charlton, who obviously fully deserved to win. Uh, then we went away to Blackpool and drew two all. Uh, again, it's a game that you know we could have won, but um, ended up drawing. Um, then we beat Middlesbrough at Ewood one 0 and it was Jason Law from twenty five yards, I think, cracked <laughs> yeah. one into the top corner uh, at the Blackburn end. Uh, that was a, a very very good performance. Uh, Middlesbrough are a, are a decent side, and we completely controlled that game and. Josh King, I think, was immense. Uh, he, he really gave the Middlesbrough pack four a lot of problems with his pace, and but for some good goalkeeping and some poor finishing for a moment, we, we could have won that two or three nil. Uh, then we went away to Brighton and lost three nil. It was a bizarre game that Brighton won. Um, I thought uh-huh. we controlled much of the game. Uh, we had countless opportunities. And it was one of the games where Brighton had like four chances and put three away, uh, whereas we, you know, it was never a three nil. Uh, I thought we played pretty well in that game, and um, it was just just the matter that they put their chances away and, and we didn't. But it was it was the kind of game where the opposition sort of had three or four chances and put three away, and we just couldn't. Uh, so I think the three nil flattered Brighton. Uh, but obviously that was another away defeat. Then we had Reading at um, Ewood Park, drew nil-nil. At the time, Reading were sort of in the top four, I think, and I think that was a good point. Um, they they were well organised, and um, we dominated for long periods. But Reading, we just couldn't break break them down. And then with the likes of Prog Beniak up front, uh, there was always uh, a threat. So. Uh, that was a fair point. Uh, then we beat Leeds one nil, and at that point Leeds had won four or five on the bounce, I think. And I think that was our best home performance um, this season, to be honest. Um, completely dominated the game. Uh, you know, were in control for long periods. Um, you know, took a one nil lead, um, and then really should have extended that. And even in the last five or ten minutes, when Leeds threw on. You know, attackers. We we were still in control, and as a unit, we played really well. So that put us in good heart um, with two away games coming up. So I thought, well, you know, we've we've beaten Leeds. We look really good. Hopefully, we can carry on and build on it against Ipswich. Uh, unfortunately, the Ipswich away was probably our worst performance of the season. Uh, we we lost. 
3-1. Um, they went 1-0 up. Jordan Rhodes equalised and then second off, they scored a second and third goal with the third goal. Uh, a really big error from Jake Keane. Um, I know we're going to talk about him later on, but um, yeah. really, we could have lost four or five, six in that game. Uh, we were never at the races. Um, they completely dominated um, and you know, I think 3-1 really flattered us because there was no point in that game where we were in in control. Uh, it was also the game where afterwards um, Gary Boyer came out and criticised the team. Uh, he said some you know strong words had been had afterwards, and he was expecting a reaction. Um, and you know he did get a reaction. We went away to you know high flying Queens Park Rangers. We weren't given a prayer by anyone really, um, and. We were unlucky not to win it. It was a little, little draw in the end, but you know we had we had much the better of the chances, and but for some good goalkeeping uh, from from QPR, we could have easily been one or two nil up at half time. They came more into it during the second half, and Eastwood made an absolute blinding save uh, from uh, Charlie Austin. I think it was very very close range, and he, he you know he had a good game, and it, I think. Boyer asked for a reaction and he definitely got it against QPR. Uh, we battled, um, you know, played really, really well and, you know, fully deserved a point. Maybe a bit unlucky not to get all three. Uh, so we followed that up with a home game against Millwall. Uh, Millwall had been in the bottom sort of half of the table for more, most of it. And uh, again, it was a game we dominated. Uh, we went 1-0 up. Um, I think they equalised and then we went 2-1 up and 3-1 up. Uh, then it was a bit of a, f- uh, right, 89 minutes, I think it was. Um, a corner from Millwall. Eastwood could have done better. He, he flapped a little bit and they made it 3-2. And uh, But we, we held on and, and won that. But that was a good home performance. And then yesterday, we went away to Yeovil. Uh, one 0 Jordan Rhodes uh, getting the winner, but again we could have been three or four nil up at half half time. It was just uh, our final sort of finish that was lacking. Dunny had a couple of chances. Um, Rhodes had a good chance in the first half, which he usually puts away, but at least he hit the target. And then obviously we they hit the bar and post in the second half, but Rhodes scored, and then Richina had a. Amazing effort where he did a Rabona, like flicked it and, and hit it. And he, right at the end, Jordan Roden uh, had a chance. So, you know, we could have easily won that game 2 or 3, 4, 1. And, but the main thing is we got the three points. And, you know, that's uh, back to back victories um, and back uh, to back clean sheets away from home. And, uh, you know, we're in ninth, I think, four points off the playoff position. So it's good to have picked up seven points from the last nine. And, um, you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction uh, yeah. with um, two home games coming up. Yeah. So if I could just ask you about uh, the games there, one thing that stands out is the number of clean sheets. Uh, in that 10-game pew, we've had five clean sheets. And uh, uh, the the last three games before the, the Millwall home game, uh, we'd managed to to keep clean sheets, uh, Middlesbrough, Reading, Leeds. Um, that's a complete contrast to 
the time under Steve Keen and, and, uh, and Henning Berg, for example, um, we were obviously much, much more uh, organised than we have been for most of the last three years. Now, we do have a little bit of a problem uh, going forward. Uh, not enough uh, goals scored. Uh, we're only plus two on the goal difference uh, at the moment. From the home games that you've seen, have we been struggling going forward? Presumably we've been looking much more solid at the back, but how's that balance looking to you? Yeah, I mean, Millwall game obviously was where we got the three goals and we could have had a few more, but yeah, against Middlesbrough, um, Leeds um, and Reading. Uh, Reading is fair enough. Um, they're a very, very hard team to break down and they were well organised and, you know, I think what we do at home is we have a lot of possession and uh, we deny teams a possession. So if you have the ball, then they're not going to be um, causing your defence any problems because they need so. So we keep the possession really well. Um, we tend to pass the ball around at the back and then go into midfield. And then if there's no pass on, then we'll often give it back to the defenders and that's fair enough you know uh, if you keep the possession it means that the opposition haven't got the ball and they're going to be using energy to try and get it back um, we don't I think we we get to we've got people like Josh King who have been good at home but the final ball is lacking I think um, and Marshall and Judge on the other side who've been playing on the right hand side they're the same uh, they get to really good positions but often the final ball lets them down and when you have someone like Jordan Rhodes up front he's not the kind of striker who's going to you know take on two men or hold the ball up and turn and smack in from 30 yards. It's not his game. What he needs is the ball, good quality ball into the box and he'll try and get on to the end of things. So in that respect, I think we dominate games in terms of possession, but uh, in terms of chances created, we don't create that many clear-cut chances. So at home, I think it's been more about keeping possession, keeping calm and controlling the game and hoping that when the chance comes along, uh, someone like Jordan Rhodes can get on the end of it and and uh, score a goal. Uh, I think that's the way we've been playing, and and it's worked. You know, um, we've won. I think we only lost one home game against Charlton, and there's been other games where we've been very compact, very hard to break down, and we won it by the odd goal. And that's fair enough in this league. It's all about um, you know having good home form, Cardiff. Last year, had numerous 1-0 victories at, at home and it's all about accumulating those points. So I think what Boy has done well is he sorted the home form out because in the last two or three years, Ewood Park has not been a difficult place to come to for opposition. We've lost far too many games at Ewood. So the, the good thing is we're regularly picking up points at home and that's compensated for the poor away form that we've had. Now, the good thing is just the last two games, QPR and Yeovil, uh, he seems to have addressed uh, the problems away from home. We've been far more compact and much harder to break down, whereas away from home teams are finding it quite easy uh, to to get through our midfield and expose our defence. The last two games have been much more compact. The two central midfielders, uh, Lowe and Kenny, uh, have 
kind of sat in front of the defence and given good cover and allowed the likes of King and Marshall out wide to to get forward and cause problems, particularly on the break. So I think we've seen a slight change in, in emphasis away from home and hopefully, you know, if we can carry on the good home form and hopefully if Boy has finally sorted out the away form and we start picking up points away from home, then I might start to revise my prediction that we won't get into a playoff position because, uh, you know, it, I was basing it on what we've done over the last two or three years and I didn't think we were consistent enough uh, to to get into the top six. But at home, we were very, very consistent in terms of picking up points. Now, if we could sort the away form out, then there's a really good chance that we could get into the top six. But, um, you know, we've got some testing games coming up away from home. I think we've got Leeds next um, and then we've got um, Forest away uh, as well, so so those are going to be some testing games. So we'll, we'll see where we are after at the end of January in terms of our waveform. But it's crucial now that we maintain our home game uh, with with uh, sorry home form with some of the games coming up. Yeah, uh, we'll look ahead to uh, January in a, a few minutes. But uh, just looking back over that period, uh, as you're saying, we, we we conceded eight goals in three games prior to QPR, and uh, now we've managed to uh, shut the opposition out for two two away games. Um, now, there's been quite a lot of criticism of Jason Law uh, throughout this season uh, in that holding midfield position. Um, Centre midfield, uh, always this question of uh, whether to have Jason Law in there with another um, uh, defensive-minded central midfielder or whether to bring uh, Tom Kearney in. Uh, what's what's been your view of the the central midfield uh, partnerships over the last few few games? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm firmly in the camp of having Tom Kenny in central midfield. I think he's wasted when he's played out wide. He hasn't got blistering pace, so it's very hard for him to take on men. And he's the kind of player who who likes to have a lot of possession, and it's the kind of player we should give possession to because. His stats, and you know, I've been looking at him quite closely. His pass completion rate in most games is above ninety percent, and so, you know, often those are quick passes left and right or back to defenders. But he's, he's very, very good at keeping the hold of the ball, and when he's playing in centre midfield, um, he can help us to control games. I think I'd like him to be a bit braver in terms of taking control of games, particularly at home. Uh, this is why two guys were so good, because he'd take control of games. If he was allowed time and space, which you know he, he, he was at times at home, he would completely control the game for us. Uh, Kenny has got the ability to do that same for us, but he's just not quite brave enough. But then he's quite inexperienced in terms of, you know, I think he's only 22, 23, so he's still developing, whereas two guy when we had him, he was 29, 30, so you know, he, he was a much more experienced player, but Kenny can do that for us. You know, if it's, there's uh, games at Ewood Park where the opposition just sit off us, and if Kenny was a bit braver, then he could actually completely control games for us, but you know, I, I think him and another in midfield works quite well, uh, because he's He's a creative player, he's good at passing, um, he's a player that we can go through uh, in terms of 
building play. We definitely need him in centre midfield. And him and Jason Law work quite well together because uh, I can't understand the criticism of Law. Um, yes, he's not the best passer in the world and that's not his game. But what he really does well is he gives it his all for hundred you know, for the ninety minutes. He runs around, he closes opposition down, he provides unbelievable cover to our defence. The amount of times I've seen him uh cover the full backs when they've gone forward and been caught out of position or track a midfield runner uh, when when they've tried to get out our defence is you know unbelievable and he's really really good at at that role and we don't have anyone like him uh, um, uh, Evans who came in is could possibly do that but he's more again of uh, someone who likes to get on the ball but uh, Law at the moment is playing really well um, you don't see him much in games because a lot of people think oh well he's not on the ball or he's not getting into an attacking position so he must be rubbish but what you don't you know the next time you see Law play Watching, watch the amount of work he does uh, in terms of uh, providing cover to the defence, tracking runners, uh, covering full backs, etc. You watch the amount of work he does off the ball and the amount of times he'll intercept a ball uh, in, in midfield. Uh, I, th- I think he's critical uh, to the way that Boye wants us to play. Um, and that gives licence to the likes of uh, Marshall, Dunny. Richina, uh, King to go out and express themselves because they know they've got someone behind them who's going to stick to his position and provide cover to the fullbacks uh, if the wingers are out of position or if the fullbacks push forward and they, they try and hit us on the break. So I think having Law in that centre midfield role is, is, is critical uh, to the way that we're playing. Now, if we change to a 4 4 2 where the centre midfielder is expected uh, to use the ball more, then I can see an argument for for not playing Law in a traditional four four two because his game in terms of retaining possession isn't good enough uh, to 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 play in a four four two formation. But in this four two three one formation that we're playing at the moment, uh, there's definitely uh, um, a place for him, and and it's critical to the future success of it. Yeah, and we've we've got to remember Jason Law is only 22. He's only a young lad, uh, still learning his trade in the, in the central midfield position. There, um, just look at uh, one or two other people. Uh, ben Marshall didn't have the best of starts uh, to his Ewood Park career, but uh, he se- he seems to have uh, come back uh, into form in the last few matches. Um, how how's his performances been uh, from what you've seen? Yeah. Um... I think I remarked in previous podcasts, I thought he's, he's got the talent, he shows flashes in matches, but he was very, very, very underconfident. His confidence seemed to have been completely shot uh, in terms of whatever's happened to him at Leicester. So it was right that Boyer took him out the firing line, um, put him you know, sort of on the bench, and I think he was playing in some close, behind-closed-doors games. And then after the Ipswich defeat, um, he was given a chance at QPR, and he showed he had a really good game. Uh, he didn't, you know, he was pushing forward, creating chances, um, showing uh, more, you know, showing for the ball, and I think that helped him. And then uh, obviously the Millwall game, he scored a goal, uh, a header in the second half, and again he had a, a really good game in terms of 
the way he he played and he sort of uh, kept his kept his position, hasn't he, since then? And uh, you know, again yesterday he seems to have had a good game and uh, it's his position now. And uh, you know, the other players in the squad have now got to try and win their their place back. But at the moment he's playing well and he's starting to show you know, why why. You know, we paid a million pounds for him, and uh, it could be a big player for us in the second half of the season. Yeah, and uh, another player who comes in for some stick on the BRFCS forums is uh, Jordan Rhodes. Um, he's uh, uh, come in for some stick for for his lack of movement and uh, uh, his inability to to hold hold the ball up. Um, now, last couple of games or so since Ipswich. Uh, um, has he made any improvements? He's scored from open play uh, last few games, which uh, he was struggling to do uh, for a couple of months. Penalty goals, of course. But uh, uh, how, how's he doing? Yeah, I mean, my brother's a, is another one of these. I sit with my brother at games, and you know he's always going on about, oh, he can't hold the ball up. Oh, look at that bad pass he's done. Oh, he's not won that flick on. You know. And you know he has, he's not really developed in that sense over the the year and a half that he's been with us. But you know he's our he's not his game. And I know people say, oh well, he needs to develop that part of his game. But to be honest, he's not a lone striker kind of your traditional lone striker who uses physical presence. You know he tries he tries to win on flick-ons. He's sometimes he his hold up play isn't the best, and I'm sure he wants to improve that aspect of his game, but his job is to score goals and he's damn good at it. And if you give him chances, almost invariably he'll hit the target. Um doesn't always score them, but he always hits the target. And you know, as a team we need to um well we you know, we need to play to his strengths and if you're pumping long balls up to him, that's not gonna work. And you might as well not play him if you're gonna be doing that. But over the last six months or or so uh, Boy has developed a style of play which suits Jordan Rhodes where we we don't pump balls into the box. What we do is we play two feet, we play it to his feet and allow him to pass the ball to the wingers and then get in the box. And that's where he's at his most dangerous. If you if he's in the 18-yard area and you get the ball to him at his feet or you know if you're for a header, then that's where he comes alive. And that's the kind of striker he is. He's very much like Gary Lineker um, or an Ian Rush. I know Ian Rush's overall game and even Lineker's overall game was a bit better, but they were the kind of strikers who came alive inside the area. And he's an out-and-out goal scorer. And um, I really can't understand the continued criticism in terms of what he's not doing. And you know, we know what his weaknesses are and I'm sure he's trying to work on that aspect of his game but at the end of the day goals win you matches and you know you know his goals are, are getting us points and like like yesterday you know he, he got the winner and there's been countless games where his goals have, have got us the points and I think I really can't understand how some people can say that we'd be a better team without Jordan Rhodes um uh, you know, it's very, very hard to find a regular goal scorer. I mean, we've had the problem, you know, since uh, Rocky Santa Cruz left. We had all sorts of people up front. And, we've, you know, it's very hard to find that regular goal scorer. And, you know, I'd rather focus on what he's good at, which is uh, 
getting in the box and hitting the target and being an out-and-out goalscorer. And I'm sure if we don't go up this year, and maybe even in January, I think our resolve is going to be tested by a Premier League club because, you know, last season he got, you know, he was top scorer and, you know, he's already got 12, 13, 14 goals already this year. So, you know, he's heading for that 30 mark again this year. So, yeah, he's, he's got 13 goals so far and uh, two more games until the midway point. So if he can get a couple in these next two games, then he'll be on 15 and set up nicely to hit the 30 mark uh, this season. He just missed out on 30 league goals last season. But, um, hopefully he can uh, get there this season. Now, um, at the other end, uh, Jake Keane's been coming in for quite a bit of criticism. Um, uh, just before we talk about Jake Keane, yeah. uh, the other one I want to talk about is Adam Henley. Um, he, oh, okay. he came, yeah, he came. Obviously, he's been fit for a while, but uh, Todd Kane has been the the regular right back. Uh, but after the poor performance uh, against Ipswich, um, Adam Henley got his chance, and he's been absolutely superb in the three games since. Uh, you know, he was brilliant against QPR. He he did well against Millwall, and again he was really really good against Yeovil. Um, obviously, Adam came into the team under Steve Keane and made a big impression, uh, playing playing our right back. And then last year he was you know injured for large periods of the the time, and then Todd Kane came in on loan and did well. Uh, Kane hasn't been that good in terms of uh, defending this year. He's made quite a number of errors or he's been caught out of position uh, far too many times or so, uh, so it's good to see Adam back in the team and he's playing really well at the moment and I think that's what um, the good thing about Boyer is he will give players a chance and if you come in and do well then you you'll you'll stay in the team your know, Marshall has come in and done well he's staying in the team Adam Henley's come in and done well and he's staying in the team so you know there's a big clamor for Ruben Rochina to be playing and and I, and I can see why because uh in this formation that we're playing I think he, he'll do well for us but uh, he will get a chance uh, Dunny's been playing there recently but um when Sort of with the number of games coming up over Christmas, there's no way that Dunn will be playing in all those games. He probably can manage one game a week or one and a half games a week. So I'm sure uh, Ruben will get a chance against either Birmingham or Sheffield Wednesday, and it's up to him to take it. And if he does, then um, I think he'll, uh, Boyer has proven that if someone plays well, then they'll stay in the team. So you know, well done to Adam. I think. You know, he's a really, really good defender and now he's back fully fit, playing really well. Um, hopefully he can stay in the team and, and do well for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd Kane uh, is on loan from Chelsea. Uh, is it possible that he would be sent back during January if, uh, if he's no longer required or is it a season loan? It's a season-long loan, and I don't think we'll we'd risk sending him back because um, you know, there's always potential that Henley could pick up an injury or something, and and then you know we'll be stuck uh, for another right back. So I think we'll keep hold of him, and it may be that you've just taken Kane out of the firing line for for a while just to build up his confidence a little bit, and then we may be back to them to rotating uh, at right back. Well, on on the subject of uh, people losing confidence, uh, Jake Keane 
uh, we alluded to just before. Um, Jake's had uh, quite a, a rough rough time of it this season, and uh, eventually he was uh, dropped in favour of Simon Eastwood. Uh, everyone was saying, you know, Simon Eastwood doesn't look uh, too 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 good in uh, in the reserves, but um, he, he put in a, a fantastic performance at uh, QPR, and he's kept his place. Uh, Paul Robinson, in the meantime, has uh, has come back from the horrendous. Uh, injury and uh, subsequent uh, operation that uh, that he had for the blood clot. Now um, he, he's uh, had a game behind closed doors. He's turned out for the reserves, uh, under twenty ones, and uh, now he's uh, trying to get fit for for the for first team uh, uh, selection. Uh, what uh, what do you think of uh, the decision? First of all, to take Jake Keane out of the firing line. Yeah, again, absolutely the right uh, decision. Um, Jake Keane, when he came into the team, uh, I think it was just, I think it was Blackpool away was his first game, so I'm not sure if it was January, February time, and he did really well initially. Um, he was confident, he was coming off his line, he looked good at crosses, very, very good shot stopper, and um, you know he looked. Good, and I'd seen him play in the reserve store. I knew he was a good goalkeeper. Uh, for some reason, at the start of this season, he seems to have lost confidence. Uh, he's no longer coming off his line. He's glued to his line. Um, uh, often the ball will come in the box, and it should be his, and he's just standing you know, in his six-yard box. And I don't know what, what's happened, but he seems to have lost a lot of confidence. Um, um, and you know he's made some mistakes, or he's looked dodgy, uh, from sort of crosses or corners, etc. He hasn't inspired a lot of confidence. And I think the defence maybe also feel the same because there was when he was in goal, there was a lot of hesitancy between him and, and the central defenders. Um, and then the error against Ipswich where he came running out of his box and completely missed the ball and, and the cost is the goal. I think that was the last straw. And after that, he's was dropped um, and you know he's now going to be on the bench for a while and Eastwood come in and um, I was the same he not looked very confident or or uh, good for the under 21s he, again uh, when he was bought in I think oh my god but uh, he did really well against uh, QPR he made a couple of really good saves uh, looked good at crosses the home game against Millwall he wasn't as good. Uh, he flapped a couple of times, but it was a very, very windy day. So um, you've got to take that into account. They were they weren't the best conditions to play football in. So that may well have paid a part. But again, got another clean sheet yesterday. So I think he'll keep his place for the moment. But I'm hoping that uh, Keane's confidence can be built up because I think, despite his mistakes, he's got potential to be our number one for a very, very long time. He's a Really, really good goalkeeper. I've seen him develop uh, with the reserves, and I think he's got what it takes to be a very, very good goalkeeper. A goalkeeper, but just at this moment, his confidence is completely gone. So that needs to be rebuilt, and hopefully we can do that, and he can be back challenging for the first team soon. And yeah. obviously, with Robbo uh, stepping up his uh, sort of uh, preparations, um, he played. Uh, for the under twenty ones, uh, just last Monday, I'm sure he'll be having a number of other games, and you know maybe mid January, end of January, 
he may be ready to also be considered for first team. But I think they're going to take it nice and easy with, with Robbo because he's been out for such a long time and they know we're going to throw him in to the first team until they're absolutely sure that he's fully fit and, and ready uh, you know, to, to, to maybe become our number one again. But it's good to see that there's competition in that area um, and you know that can only bode well for for the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Good luck to to Robbo in in, in his comeback. Uh, fantastic news to to have uh, uh, such a such a good bloke uh, who's uh, made a, a, a remarkable recovery from a, a very serious situation, a medical condition. Um, Jake Keane, uh, well. Um, I, I, th- I think uh, he should have been taken out of the firing line much earlier. Um, I remember at the beginning of the season watching him and thinking uh, he, uh, he, he needs to be a little bit more decisive. His kicking is pretty poor. He needs to work on that. Um, the way that he clears his lines is uh, uh, a little bit disconcerting. Puts us under pressure far too many times. But, uh, hopefully when he's out uh, he can address some of his uh, uh, his weaker areas and, and come back stronger for it. Now, um, we've had uh, a few returns from injury over the last couple of months um, and we're still waiting on uh, Corey Evans uh, to come back. Uh, I think he's running, up and running now and uh, uh, should be back in, in January, I think. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Etuhu has um, uh, <laughs> come back into the side and then promptly got injured and... Uh, is is now out for a while. We we look a lot uh, a lot better on the uh, on the injury side, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely we look a lot better. Uh, um, Corey Evans is and um, is really the only long term absentee. Uh, I don't include Dixon at two in that because he's mm. not played for such a long time, so he's not a big miss in terms of the impact he's had. Um, and obviously he's broken down again, so God knows when he's going to be back and. Other than that, there's just Leon Best, and I don't think he's injured. <laughs> uh, he seems to be training hard. Uh, yeah. Judging from the picture that he keeps putting on his Instagram, uh, so I think he's just been dropped from the squad full stop. Obviously, he's not been happy about not playing, and looks like there's been words said between him and the management, and he's completely out of the picture. Um, I suspect what will happen is we'll look to see what interest there is in him during January. And if someone wants him on loan, then we'll probably let him go. Um, if at the end of January no one's coming for him, then you could possibly see a mutual termination of his contract, I think, uh, because mm. he's completely out of the picture now. Yeah. Um, you know, Rudy Gestede has been bought in on loan. Um, so, you know, he's ahead of him. Uh, DJ Campbell... <laughs> Uh, mm. he, uh, according to Boyer on, for, on at his pre-match press conference, he's available for selection, but whether he is or not, it's a completely yeah. different story. Yeah. Um, selection then, of what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Ruben Uchina, who could also play up front uh, if we needed him to do a job. So uh, I think Leon Best will probably try and get rid of him in January on loan, or if someone wants to buy him. Uh, if not, then we could see him given a free transfer uh, in in February. Um, so we'll just see how that situation develops. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned in, uh, 
transfer policy. Um, is there going to be money available in the January transfer window? Uh, suggestion this last week is that we'll need to uh, sell before we can buy. Um, Rudy Gestead has come to us with an injury, and so it would suggest that uh, we've got some kind of deal for him for the rest of the season. Uh, and then there's Tom Kearney, who uh, um, I think this last few days uh, it's been suggested could be coming to us permanently. Um, what, uh, first of all, what's your, uh, your, your um, take on the transfer window policy? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a case of uh, selling before we can buy other than Tom Kearney, which we'll come on to. But uh, there's no way they're going to be spending any more money uh, because our costs are already pretty high. Um, and there's no way, we, even if the owners wanted to give, say, £10 million to have a push for promotion, which I don't think they do. But if they did, then even if they wanted, they couldn't because of the impending FFP, which I know we're going to briefly mention at the end. So it's definitely going to have to be uh, a sell before we can we can buy, other than Tom Kearney, because he's made such a positive impact. And because he's, I think, he, it is true that he's out of contract at the end of the season, uh, although there's some suggestions he's got 18 months left. So I need to check that out on Monday. But if he's out of contract in uh, in June, July time, then um, we're, we're definitely after him. We've made a bid um, on Thursday for Kenny, which was rejected by Hull. Um, I suspect we'll be back in with another bid uh, in the next few days. So, yeah, we need to sort a deal out for Kenny before the Leeds game, really, because uh, Leeds will be his last game for us if no deal's sorted. So we need to get that moving and... The fact that we made one bid for him, which has been rejected, suggests that there is some money for him. And I'm sure we'll be back in with a couple of other bids and a big push on to get him signed up uh, before uh, the, the you know his last game, which is Leeds. Um, uh, and, you know, it's looking good in terms of the player. He likes it here. He likes the club. Um, he loves playing uh, with, with the players. He's mentioned that we're a young squad with a lot of homegrown players uh, by that he means like British players um, so he obviously likes the atmosphere here and he wants to stay so hopefully we can get a deal sorted for him because he's been sensational for us uh, this season he's looked the kind of technical player that we've been crying out for for years um, so hopefully we can get a deal sorted for him and, and keep him but other than that I'm afraid it's going to be uh, anyone else coming in it's going to be either loan signings and even then the loans will only come in if we manage to get rid of a few of the fringe players and uh, you know I think that'll be about it but generally the squad is looking quite good at the moment uh, if you can get Corey Evans fit and if you can get Kenny set, uh, sorted then there aren't really that many areas that we need to strengthen in maybe uh, you know if best goes another striker coming will be good but other than that I think we're quite well set. You know, we've got uh, competition for places all over the pitch. Uh, we've got almost a fully fit squad, and there isn't really any glaring areas where you think, "Oh, yeah, we definitely need to strengthen that." So, so you know, if you can get uh, Corey Evans fit and get Kenny signed up, then you know, there isn't any real need to do any bigger business than that. Maybe a couple of loan players just to help um, with the squad. Yeah. 
Um, Gestede, what what's his uh, deal at the moment? Uh, he's on the ninety day loan. Uh, you, you know that's all you're allowed to do uh, outside the window. So he's classed as emergency loan. So he's here for ninety days. Um, I'm sure there'll be sort of something in there which allows us to extend it come January when the windows open again, and we may well look to extend that. Um, till the end of the season. He came with a slight ankle injury, um, but he's been on the bench for the last two games. Um, and I think he got about five minutes against Millwall and a couple of minutes against uh, Yeovil uh, yesterday. But again, with those quick succession of games, you know, Birmingham, uh, sorry, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham and Leeds uh, within a week, I'm sure he'll get a chance uh, to to come on and, and uh, maybe play, you know, a lot longer. So we'll, that's... Uh, one to watch over the next few weeks but he's a big unit <laughs> mm. uh, and he's definitely the kind of striker that uh, Boy has been looking for he said he wanted someone who was physical and could hold the ball up and uh, just a brief glimpses I've seen him of him he could definitely do that role for us uh, so yeah we'll, we'll have to see how that one develops I'd like to see him and Rhodes play up front once uh, I think uh, Rhodes playing off a big man like that might help him even further so it'll be interesting to see if they're both on the pitch at the same time um, yeah. and, and, and what how they combine together um, but uh, at Huddersfield uh, Rhodes used to play with Alan Lee who was a big sort of physical striker he used to play off him and obviously he was very successful uh, in that role so it'd be interesting to see if we can get someone like a steady up front, how Rhodes sort of looks uh, with with that kind of guy doing all the donkey work for him and then allowing him to make those runs and get into the box. So it'll be interesting to see if 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 that happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does Gisted uh, put himself about a bit? Does it? Does he uh, make runs? Uh, you know, uh, occupy the the back four. Yeah, uh, you know, he doesn't chase back a lot. I mean, the five minutes or so against Millwall, he did put himself about, uh, wasn't scared of the physical stuff. There were a couple of times where the ball was a bit loose in midfield where you think, well, maybe he should be chasing that down. He didn't tend to do that, but, you know, it's very, very hard to judge because uh, he's only played, well, I've only seen him play about 10 minutes in total. Uh, so it's very hard to make any kind of judgment, but he definitely has got the physical presence and... Uh, he'd give defenders a problem if the ball was knocked up to him, definitely. Or if um, crosses were put into the box, uh, he may be able to to get on to the end of them. But very, very hard to make uh, any kind of judgment because I've only seen him play maximum, I think, 10 minutes. Yeah, OK. Well, um, now, DJ Campbell, we, we mentioned uh, then. Um, obviously, he's been uh, arrested uh, on match-fixing... Fi- match uh, I think it was spot spot betting, wasn't it? Match yeah. betting allegations. Um, obviously, he's been released uh, on bail until April, and uh, there's not a great deal we can say about that. I've seen the tackle uh, away to Ipswich that uh, apparently um, instigated the uh, the raid on on his home uh, when he was arrested. Uh, but um, yeah, it was, a, it was a funny one. Uh, people who were at the game didn't think anything of it, just thought it was a late challenge. Um, but uh, I, I don't think there's anything we can really say about uh, uh, about his situation other than he's not been suspended by the club and uh, uh, he, he's 
uh, available for for uh, for selection, but isn't being selected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just a bit. The background is it was related to the investigation by the Sun newspaper, which uh, focused in around Soji, who was a former Premier League player. It was part of the six people who were arrested uh, um, because of that Sun investigation, and DJ Campbell was was one of them. Uh, at the moment, um, the club really can't do anything because. Obviously, you're innocent until proven guilty, and he's not even being charged at the moment. Uh, uh, Moreno at Oldham uh, is in a similar situation, and again, he hadn't been charged, but uh, Oldham decided to sack him uh, uh, for gross misconduct, and that's now subject to uh, him taking legal action against Oldham. So it's a very, very very dodgy area if we try and do anything in terms of of sacking him when he hasn't even been uh, charged with with the offence. All he's been doing is helping police with the inquiries at the moment. So that you know, there's nothing more that the club can really do. Obviously, if he's charged with the offence, even then, you know, he's not been found guilty. Uh, so we'd have to wait for a trial. But if he's charged with uh, uh, you know, with with the spot uh, betting uh, offence, then possibly the club could look to suspend him. But even then, it'd probably be on full pay. Uh, but at the moment, all he's doing is uh, is helping police with the inquiries. It doesn't look good uh, in terms of what I've heard uh, has been going on. But you know, I'm not at liberty to disclose that on a podcast. But uh, at the moment, uh, you know, we've got to say that he's not even been charged with an offence. All he's doing is uh, helping police with the inquiries, um, but obviously leaves a big cloud hanging over him uh, in terms of what happened at the Ipswich game. But you have to start looking at you know, the Blackpool sending off and a number of other incidents over the last sort of 18 months. Uh, they'll all come under question if he's ever charged with this offence. Uh, I honestly can't see how we can play him uh, with this cloud hanging over him, uh, so I'd be very, very surprised if he's um, if he plays a game. Uh, but behind closed doors, we don't know what the atmosphere is like at Ewood in terms of the squad. Uh, you know whether the squad back him or uh, you know whether it causing problems in the background. Uh, you know that that would be the other issue that would be concerning me is how the players react to him in terms of um you know if they if they think he's guilty or whatever then that could cause problems as well so uh, it's a very very messy situation uh, for the club but i think they did the right thing um in terms of there's no way you could suspend him or even sack him at this stage um i think they handled it as best they could uh, in terms of uh, saying we're giving him time off for the family and then he's back training again now and available for selection you know that that's all we can do at this stage and uh, we'll see how it develops over the next month um, to see if there's any charges uh, levied against any of these players yeah, yeah. now uh, just looking ahead we've got uh, four matches uh, at home in the next six games uh, in the league got a fantastic uh, chance to go uh, up towards the playoffs uh, before the end of January. Uh, my own uh, view 
round about uh, four or five weeks ago, uh, with a very heavy uh, December schedule coming up, was that if we hit 34 points uh, by the end of the year, uh, we should be in a, a reasonable position uh, to to make a, a challenge. And uh, I was hoping that we'd uh, get at least three wins out of the, the last four games. We're now in a position to hit 36 points, uh, which would really, really put us uh, right on the edge of the playoffs. Uh, I think as long as we can just hang in there and uh, keep on the coattails of the playoff positions, um, you know, we've, we've still got a, a chance of, uh, of um, you know, m- making a go of it. Um, obviously, administration, you know, come March we'll, we'll, we'll know better. But if we do go into administration, we need to, to have an extra 10 points in hand. And if you look at the table, uh, basically right now, uh, if you, you take 10 points off, we're right on the edge of relegation. Uh, so we, we've got to basically aim for the playoffs just to be secure to stay in this division uh, next season. In, in any case, um, I think uh, we've got an excellent chance uh, over uh, the next uh, five, five, six weeks to possibly even get into the playoffs. Uh, it's even possible that we could beat Leeds uh, on New Year's Day and go into the playoff position. Um, Cammy, uh, how, how, how have you seen things over the last few weeks? Uh, three, four weeks ago, did you did you think there was a possibility of uh, uh, staying within uh, touch of the playoffs? And uh, do you think uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to get to the end of January, the, the end of the January window, and still be in a good position? Yeah, I mean, I've said from the start of the season, I think we won't get into the playoffs, and I've stuck with that um, all season. Um, what I will say is, um, I think if somehow we can get into sort of ninth, tenth position with about ten games to go, you know, or even eight games to go, and we're in eighth, ninth position, maybe even tenth, possibly about five points away from the top six position, then I would get really interested because then it only takes one good run like we've had recently, you know, where you win four or five games, pick up a couple of draws and suddenly you sneak into the playoffs. I think for me, that's the best case scenario um, where come Easter, you know, with eight games left, uh, we're eighth, ninth, tenth, maybe four or five points off that number six spot and we go on a run and and we can sneak into the playoffs. And if we sneak into the playoffs, I think we've got uh, quite a number of players who may thrive under that pressure. Uh, you know, they've got experience uh, in terms of uh, you know sort of playing at Premier League level, likes of Dan and Hanley, Robbo, Dunny. Uh, you know, they've played at Premier League level, so they may well thrive under that pressure of a playoff semi final or even a final. Um, Having said that, the last few weeks, um, I think we've been consistent. Um, you know, winning away at uh, winning away at Yeovil, getting a point at QPR, and then obviously the the home victories in between. Um, so I think it's absolutely crucial that we maintain our good home form. Um, I know I was reading; it makes me nervous when people start talking about beating. Oh, we'll beat um, Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham. You know, it's not that easy. 
uh, you know, to win four games on the bounce. If we won those two games, that'd be four on the bounce. It's not not that easy to do. Um, so um, I just want to see them continue playing well at home, and hopefully this away performance is particularly at QPR Yeovil is a turning point away from home. And if we can get draws and wins away from home and maintain our home form, then yes, it's definitely possible to get into the top six. Uh, this year, uh, the top you know, six have been losing games uh, on a regular basis. Like I think everyone between us and fourth didn't pick up maximum points yesterday. That shows what topsy-turvy division it is. And when you've got the likes of Burnley at the top, um, you know, it's definitely possible uh, to see them going on a bad run and plummeting down the table. And same with Blackpool. Uh, you know, they were second at one point and they started to drop back. So there are opportunities there. But I think it's crucial uh, that we win our home games and uh, turn around the waveform. Uh, which we seem to have done over the last two games. But I'll, for the moment, I'll still stick by. Let's get to Easter and let's be in eighth, ninth position. I'll set up for that now, maybe four or five points off the playoff place, places with the eight games to go. And then let's go on a run and see if we can sneak into that top six. Yeah, uh, well, see how it goes. Um, taking a game at a time, of course. Simon Garner, in the uh, in an interview with the Rovers Trust uh, this this last few days, uh, is uh, saying some eminently sensible things uh, about uh, uh, the need to keep focused. Um, I think this is a, a key key point. It's a word that I use a lot. Focus. Um, the you, know, you need to be mentally very uh, very strong, and you need to keep your focus uh, throughout uh, the season over a long, longer period of time in order to be successful. And uh, I, th- I think this, uh, this constant yo-yoing of, you know, win a match and then you lose and then, you, you know, you win a match and, and you think you're going to be uh, going on a run and then you lose the next one and stuff. Uh, just thinking of the, the Ipswich match there, for example, um, it, it's, it, it's poor uh, in terms of uh, the, the mental uh, preparation for matches. Uh, they really need to be focused uh, in in a, a more um, sort of uh, um, e- equal uh, uh, and balanced manner uh, over the course of uh, uh, of the season, rather than just this 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 constant change in their moods and what have you. So uh, you know the, the need to keep focused, I think, is uh, is going to be key. Uh, any team that uh, is well organised is has a chance of getting into the playoffs. And after that, it's uh, it's all down to uh, focus uh, on the job in hand and uh, determination, and uh, putting in the effort on the, on the day. Hopefully, uh, Gary Boyer can do his uh, his stuff and uh, prepare the the players uh, on a match by match basis uh, to perform to their to the best of their abilities. Now, just uh, looking ahead, uh, we've also got the FA Cup coming up and uh, we're at home to Manchester City, uh, first week of uh, January. Uh, City have got the whole of the away end. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got most of the stadium. Uh, if it's uh, anything to go by what, uh, what they did uh, 10 years ago, was it, when they, when they came to Rovers. Um, 
I guess you're you're going to be looking forward to that game, and many many people will. Uh, do you think it's a case of just getting it over with, just to, you know enjoy the day kind of thing, or do you think we've actually uh, got a chance of going on a run? Uh, I think we'll just just get it over with <laughs> and enjoy it. You know, it's, you know, one of the best Premier League sides at the moment. Um, got some world class players, um, and even if they play the reserve side, um, they're still very very strong. They've got you know massive strength in depth in all positions. So you know we you know it's a bit like Arsenal away last year in the FA Cup. Um, I went with the attitude: let's just enjoy it. Uh, playing Premier League side, let's go out, give it 100% and and enjoy the experience. And if we get a surprise result, that's brilliant. If not, then um, uh, it's no problems. I'd much rather play a Premier League side and lose than to play a, uh, uh, another Championship side and go out. Um, at least we'll enjoy it, see some Premier League players. Um, allows the people like Rhodes who think they're good enough to to do it at that level to to test themselves against the, you know some top top players and we'll go out and enjoy it and I wouldn't be too gutted if we go out then we can concentrate on the league yeah. <laughs> which is uh, by far the, the biggest priority you know it gives you if you're out of the cup then it gives you a couple of free weekends where you don't have any games uh, which can be used to uh, bring back any players catching uh, with knocks etc so so you know I don't want to lose any game but um, if we do lose to, to City then um, you know it allows us a free run till the end of the season in the league and we can concentrate on that but I'm sure the players are looking forward to it and uh, they'll go out and give it 100% and you know you never know uh, our home form is very very good and you know if you can cause City some problems, and you know you never know. But I think just their strength in depth and the kind of quality they've got, um, I think it'd be very difficult uh, to, to to beat them. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, City's away form is is not the best. Yeah, I mean they're conceding a lot of goals away from home, so that gives you some hope. But mm. uh, even then, uh, I think with just with the quality that they've got. Um, it will be very very difficult to to stop them from scoring against us. Um, so, but like I said, we just go and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, we'll round off today by just looking at the finances. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, this massive loss on the accounts, annual accounts uh, of um, uh, Black Rovers Football and Athletic PLC. Uh, Karen Silk. Uh, has finally left after a, an extended gardening leave. Uh, she's uh, now at Port Vale. Uh, good luck to her uh, in her new position there. Um, finance director, uh, there's there's been no further word uh, about a replacement for her, I believe. No, not at the moment. I, don't, I think they're looking, but nothing's been... I think there's been some recommendations made by uh, Dithering Derek uh, to... Uh, um, India, but I don't think anything's moved significantly forward just at the moment. Yeah, and uh, still the the administration of the Rovers is uh, still basically Derek Shaw and Derek Shaw, isn't it? Exactly, it's the dithering Derek Shaw. Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, dear. And uh, as as I mentioned before, uh, administration um, is still uh, very much on the cards um, at this rate. 
Um, March is is the significant time uh, that's determined by uh, whether the points are docked this season or the next season, I believe. Uh, but um, uh, see how it goes. If um, if the Rovers are looking like they could get into the playoffs, uh, I rather suspect uh, that the uh, the the, the Venkis will continue to, uh, to to fund us until the end of the season. Uh, obviously, if if we do go up, by some miracle, uh, that will be a veritable get out of jail free card for them. And uh, if we don't, then we'll have to face the consequences of the last three years' uh, mismanagement of the of the club. Uh, connected to that, uh, financial fair play is is coming in. And uh, Cami, you've you've been doing some research on uh, FFP. Uh, would you would you like to tell us uh, what uh, what you've come up with? Yeah, um, I've been doing an article, so I'll I'm going to hold quite a lot back for that article, and then we'll have a follow up podcast uh, to to look at what's been discussed in the article. But basically, uh, a lot of us already know what FFP is is coming in uh, next season, uh, but it'll be based on the figures of of this season. Uh, what I've uncovered is that. Um, a number of clubs, uh, including Rovers, are getting some specialist advice from uh, a London-based company. Um, and that advice isn't just being given to football league clubs, but it's also being given to uh, certain Champions League clubs. Um, my discussions with the Football League and a number of other people uh, related with FFP uh, and some journalists as well, uh, I think we there's a possibility of a legal challenge uh, particularly in terms of the Football League FFP from the clubs who've come down. So the likes of us, Bolton, QPR, Wigan and Reading to uh, a lesser extent um, all believe and a lot of journalists believe as well, Martin Samuel being one of them, uh, that they have cause for launching uh, a challenge against the Football League FFP under the terms of when the costs that they had at the football club uh, were based on being in the Premier League and uh, based on the revenue that they got from uh, being in the Premier League. And under that basis, they feel it's unreasonable uh, to be expected to reduce costs to the extent that the Football League FFP requires in a 12 to 24 month period, uh, 12 for QPR and Wigan and 24 months uh, for, for Rovers. They feel it's unreasonable because to remain competitive and reduce the costs to that extent, it, it just isn't possible. Um, so that's the basis of one of the legal challenges. Other clubs like Leicester, etc., who have owners wanting to put uh, pump millions in, they can also look at FFP in terms of restriction of trade and uh, they could argue under EU legislation that the FFP stops them from trading in the way they, that they want to because it stops the owners from putting money into into the club. So that one would go under European legislation whereas the Rovers one would, would come under the UK legislation and People who know a lot more about this than me reckon it's almost certain that at least one of these four clubs will would 
would launch a legal challenge and that would then be backed by a number of other clubs who are in similar situations. Um, so it's one to watch. Uh, I'm becoming almost convinced that there will be some sort of legal challenge in March, April time when this reality of clubs being fined a uh, vast amount of money, for example, QPR going up, uh, would cost them around about £30 million, if not more, uh, in fines alone uh, because of the way they've contravened the uh, FFP. And that's not taking into account any spending they decide to do in January. Um, so I think there is definitely going to be a, a legal challenge coming up in March, April time. And if that happens, then it could actually blow the Football League FFP um, out of the water because um, there are avenues there that could definitely uh, be subject to to uh, legal challenges. Um, I think the FFP is, in um, theory, a very, very good thing. Uh, I think it's, well, you know, it, it would safeguard a number of clubs, but I think the way it's been implemented uh, possibly hasn't been done right and we could maybe see uh, some kind of thing coming in to stop the legal challenges. They may say to Premier League clubs, well, you have five years rather than the one year and the two year that the clubs currently have. So that might be some concession made. So I think it is right to be worried about FFP and it's right that Rovers have started the process uh, last summer of reducing costs. But I think that there could possibly be some legal challenges. But what I'll do is I'll put this all into an article because I've talked to a football league and various other people have got some some really good insights into how they see the FFP and how they see it working and we'll put it into a an article that people can read and then possibly do a follow-up podcast where we can go into a bit greater depth and and maybe answer some questions that people have posed on the relevant thread. Yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, um, yeah it'd be interesting to have a wider debate. I mean, uh, you know, the, the 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 basic fundamental problem is surely uh, the uh, the disparity between Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, and then uh, the, uh, the 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 rest of the uh, uh, the clubs outside of the Premier League. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? The, the amount of money that's sloshing around at the top, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's not good for the overall health of the game. And where that money goes and how it's spent is another issue, isn't it? Uh, especially for uh, the likes of uh, uh, Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, to expect, say, let's look at QPR, to expect them to reduce the costs within 12 months um, from the level that they have been spending, uh, it, they probably have to sell half the squad. <laughs> yeah. And then, then that's anti-competitive because, you know, they they can't compete you know, if they're having to reduce costs to the extent that they, they need to. Um, so I think, like I, said, like I said, I think there will be legal challenges and people who know a lot about this area, particularly some journalists like Martin Samuel, David Conn, etc., they've all kind of said it'll be, you know, if one club challenges, that could lead to a whole host of clubs. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see the Football League try to defend it, FFP in 
caught against some of the stuff that's been mooted in terms of mm. uh, you know the cost reductions etc. I think uh, particularly Bolton, Rovers, Reading and QPR and Wigan would have some pretty strong arguments as to why FFP uh, is 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 possibly not legal or or is anti-competitive. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see how that develop, develops. But I can see legal challenges coming in March, April time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good. Well, we'll uh, look forward to your article and uh, have a, a further discussion of uh, FFP and uh, perhaps in the, in the in the context of uh, Rover's financial situation. Good. Um, well, we've uh, had a two and a half month break and uh, managed to round up one or two things uh, in today's podcast uh, that's been going on down at the Rovers. Um, Cammy, do, do you have any final thoughts uh, for us? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, just round off by wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. I hope everyone has a superb Christmas with their families. Uh, and, um, you know, look forward to the two games at home over the Christmas period. Uh, hopefully we can pick up six points. That would be brilliant. Um, and, you know, can carry on marching on up the table. Uh, and um, we'll just have to see how it develops from there. Yep, good. Thanks very much. As I said, uh, at the top of the uh, podcast, uh, I've been ridiculously busy this last couple of months. Uh, but uh, the one thing that uh, we've been able to keep going uh, has been the match reports. Obviously, uh, Eddie uh, has also been uh, extremely busy and he's uh, uh, done some of the uh, team sheets and uh, some of the half-time, one or two full-time match reports. Uh, Parson Blue has uh, kept up his uh, splendid match reports throughout. Um, thank you ever so much to Parson Blue for those. Uh, always uh, make sure that they go up uh, after the match. Uh, he's uh, actually not been able to get down to Yeovil uh, this weekend, unfortunately. So uh, that's going to be the first of the season, first in a long time, a very long time, I think, that, uh, that he's missed. But uh, um, uh, hopefully... Uh, he'll be down at the Rovers uh, on Boxing Day to watch uh, the Sheffield Wednesday match and then uh, again uh, next weekend uh, for the Birmingham match. But uh, yeah, thank you very much to Parson Blue for the match reports. I, I know that uh, he gets a lot of good feedback on the threads and it's well read. Now, um, we'll be back uh, with... Uh, possibly a, a post-Christmas or a New Year's podcast. Uh, I think uh, one or two of us should have a little bit of time over the festive season and uh, then we'll, we'll we'll take it from there. Uh, thanks ever so much uh, to Cami for joining us uh, today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you and look forward to doing another one over the New Year, hopefully. Yes, yeah, very much so. Good. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening in as always um, wherever you are in the world do take good care and a very happy and merry christmas to you all thank you very much <laughs>